Why was a flood of money that came in from outside the United States used for financing subprime credit? Why was the United States, unlike other economies like Germany and Japan, unable to export its way out of the 2001 recession? Why are poorer developing countries like China financing the unsustainable consumption of rich countries like the United States? Why did the Federal Reserve keep rates so low for so long? Why did financial firms make loans to people who had no income, no jobs, and no assets practice so ubiquitous that it attracted its own acronym, Ninja Loans? Why did the banks, the sausage makers, so to speak, hold so many of the sausages for their own consumption when they knew what went into them? I attempt to address all these questions in this book. Let me start by saying that I do not have a single explanation for this crisis, and so no single silver bullet to prevent a future one. Any single explanation would be too simplistic. I use the metaphor of fault lines. In geology, fault lines are breaks in the Earth's surface where tectonic plates come in contact or collide. Enormous stresses build up around these fault lines. I describe the fault lines that have emerged in the global economy and explain how these fault lines affect the financial sector. One set of fault lines stems from domestical political stresses, especially in the United States. Almost every financial crisis has political roots which no doubt differ in each case but are political nevertheless, for strong political forces are needed to overcome the checks and balances that most industrial countries have established to contain financial exuberance. The second set of fault lines emanates from trade imbalances between countries stemming from prior patterns of growth. The final set of fault lines develops when different types of financial systems come into contact to finance the trade imbalances, specifically when the transparent, contractually based, arms-length financial systems in countries like the United States and the United Kingdom finance or are financed by less transparent financial system in much of the rest of the world. Because different financial systems work on different principles and involve different forms of government intervention, they tend to distort each other's functioning whenever they come into close contact. All these fault lines affect financial sector behavior and are central to our understanding of the recent crisis. Rising inequality and the push for housing credit. The most important example of the first kind of fault line, which is the theme of chapter one, is rising income inequality in the United States and the political pressure it has created for easy credit. Clearly, the highly visible incomes at the very top have gone up. The top 1% of households accounted for only 8.9% of income in 1976, but this share grew to 23.5% of the total income generated in the United States in 2007. Put differently, of every dollar of real income growth that was generated between 1976 and 2007, 58 cents went to the top 1% of households in 2007, the hedge fund manager John Paulson earned 3.7 billion, about 74,000 times the median household income in the United States. But although the gargantuan incomes at the very top excite public interest and engage middle-class columnists, most Americans rarely meet a billionaire hedge fund manager. 
more relevant to their experience is the fact that since the 1980s, the wages of workers at the 90th percentile of the wage distribution in the United States, such as office managers, have grown much faster than the wage of the 50th percentile worker, the median worker, typically factory workers and office assistants. A number of factors are responsible for the growth in the 90-50 differential. Perhaps the most important is that although in the United States technological progress requires the labor force to have ever greater skills, a high school diploma was sufficient for our parents, whereas an undergraduate degree is barely sufficient for the office worker today. The education system has been unable to provide enough of the labor force with the necessary education. The problems are rooted in indifferent nutrition, socialization, and learning in early childhood and in dysfunctional primary and secondary schools that leave too many Americans unprepared for college.